Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, July 3rd. I am Ann Pickery, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today are Mark Pender in the U.S. and Jeremy Hawkins in London. Jeremy, you have a full plate to discuss today. I do. We have the World Cup, we have the T20 cricket, and of course there's Wimbledon. But sadly, I guess we're not really supposed to be here to talk about that. So, um, yeah, let's get on with what we are supposed to be talking about. Um, numbers first, then. From the Eurozone, it's not the biggest period for economic data, but it was important last week. We had the update, uh, the flash look at June inflation, and that was 2%, so up 1.9% last time round. But more importantly, the good old core rate, the narrowest measure in this case, that dipped to 1% from 1.1. In other words, it effectively means that underlying inflation in the Eurozone is still going nowhere. It's, say, 1.1% a year ago, 1% now, so really you can put a, you know, a straight line through it. Indeed, it's been within a 0.8 to 1.2% range um, over the last 12 months. Now, a second quarter GDP, it's got to be said, not looking likely as if it's going to show much of a pickup from the first quarter. If people remember, that was a 0.4% quarter on quarter or 1.6% annualised rate. I guess we've got to say that it's, it's not really clear at this stage if the economy is going to be strong enough to lift core inflation back to target, let alone actually keep it there. As we know now, the ECB is banging the drum about finishing its quantitative easing programme at the end of this year. But at this stage, it's still a case of wait and see. Um, just in, in terms of the rest of the figures, I think you know, the main sort of takeaway from the last uh, week or so, the PMIs, these are just the, the final data. But what is becoming increasingly apparent uh, are some of the comments to do with you know, worries about possible uh, trade wars. Now, for some countries, it's more important than others. But if we look at the likes of Germany, I mean, exports are about 45% of German GDP. Um, now, the DAX is down, what, almost 3% on the month. If we compare that to the Eurozone average, as a whole, where exports are only 27%, the Euro stocks 50 is down, what, 1.3%. So it is starting to perhaps hit now that you know, trade worries are beginning to hit some of those economies which are, you know, are more biased towards uh, export growth. Um, what else can I mention? I should mention the politics, sadly, have to do that again. Um, we had an EU leaders summit last week, and that really just fudged a compromise agreement on the, the thorny immigration problem, which is becoming you know, a serious issue for a number of these countries now. It's important because, as folks might remember, Chance, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Merkel, she's been under the threat of a, a rebellion from her sister party, the CSU in her coalition, which effectively threatened to pull out of a coalition altogether if she didn't tighten her immigration policies. Well, it looked like that might well happen until yesterday when there was uh, at least a loose agreement between Merkel and, uh, and the CSU. But that really just means um, establishing what they call transit zones along Germany's southern border, which will allow for an accelerated deportation of refugees who are not entitled to seek asylum in Germany. But that only works where Germany has a bilateral agreement with the country to send them back. And as things currently stand, Italy, which is typically the first stop in the EU for most migrants arriving in Germany, or indeed Austria, which lies on the main transit route, have agreed to join the club. So at this stage, this whole issue of immigration remains a very thorny problem. And it's not just important for Germany, but increasingly you get this talk about it being a threat to deeper European integration. And indeed, some have even gone so far as to say it could even cause the breakup of the EU altogether. So in any event, it's going to present downside risk to the euro as we go forward, and it's something to keep an eye on.
Um, UK, not too many numbers, but it's, I suppose, a focus for most of this week is going to be Friday when we'll get a key crunch cabinet meeting on good old Brexit. Effectively, we got to the stage now whereby they're simply running out of time to come out with a proposal that they can present to the EU as to exactly what they're looking for when it comes to you know how they're going to deal with the customs issue once Brexit has taken place. As we stand there saying that they've got this new compromise agreement between the two sides which shall be taken to Brussels but we don't know any details of this yet and if it can't be thrashed out and agreed upon at this cabinet meeting on Friday as we said in the past but it's still perfectly true we could actually see Mrs May standing down or indeed at some point a potential risk of, of an early general election. With regards to the economic data in the UK, I just want to quickly mention ahead, look ahead to next week uh, with regard to Tuesday, July the 10th, as that's going to see the first release of a brand new monthly UK GDP series. Uh, this will be for May, but it'll be released every month going forwards. So this will be an early look at how the economy is performing. It's being released with a view to trying to give policymakers a better handle on how the economy is performing now, as opposed to how, it was hand, how it's performing three or so months ago. So this is going be a new indicator for investors to look at. Say, kickoff is uh, for the May estimate, and that will be out next Tuesday, July the 10th. That's it for me. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Mark, manufacturing is still thriving. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh huh. It's a it's a difficult uh, the 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 factory data manufacturing data right now is uh, out of the U.S. is showing. Um, uh, definitely some unevenness, and I think it's um, was really uh, evident in yesterday's today's Tuesday um, a report from Market Economics, the uh, the PMIs, uh, uh, the same outfit that uh, Jeremy was referring to, or um, data that uh, Jeremy was referring to. They they have a flash. They uh, divide their uh, small sample survey. Uh, uh, into two-week uh, reports, which, for instance, the ISM, which is the uh, the stalwart uh, version of that here, um, only does it at month end. Well, at uh, halfway through at their flash for June, uh, market was warning of a clear uh, slowing in momentum. Uh, and at that time, the Philly Fed report here, which is uh, uh, a report that comes out at mid-month uh, for, for the current month reporting on June, had a very similar result. Um, but yet, when the final came out, the final sample for market, uh, they reversed that. Uh, they, uh, it was no longer a question of uh, losing momentum. They had uh, uh, plenty of strength to report. And then the ISM that came out yesterday for manufacturing was incredibly strong and showed uh, unusual uh, capacity stress, which we've been seeing in these reports for the last year. What, what that means is uh, delivery delays. And in the ISM report, they were very, very extreme. Some of the worst that uh, you, uh, you have to go back to the mid '70s in the oil crisis to find uh, um, uh, this type, this type, this level of uh, delivery issues, and this is tied uh, to overcapacity. And it's being and the weak link in here, or the bottleneck, appears to be the trucking industry and the lack of truckers. This is common. Uh, that uh, 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 trucking is one, one of the first uh, places where you get uh, you find scarcities, and these reports are also uh, showing uh, rising not only rising input costs, but some of the uh, the strongest traction in selling prices. Uh, and what that means is that there's being passed through successful pass through. The Federal Reserve has been pointing about uh, pointing out about this in the Beige Book all year. 
they've been reporting uh, rising prices. Now that has yet really to come to the consumer level, which means that the middlemen, the distributors, uh, are uh, taking the hit right now. Uh, and I guess that's that's very typical uh, for consumer prices to have a, a very uh, stable relationship or a very stable uh, outcome where in the uh, economy itself down the pipeline, there's, uh, there's uh, stresses. So um, those were interesting uh, signs of trouble. And uh, they probably have already, uh, they, they seem to have been false, not false indications. When you get a mix of data, like I think we're getting a little bit now, um, it's uh, hard really to you know, focus on one and to generalize from that single one. But if you look at them all as a group, you can, uh, you can see that there might be a little bit of trouble. And, th- and what little trouble there may be are very likely tied uh, or in part to uh, tariffs. Now, um, uh, and as Jeremy was uh, mentioning in the uh, market reports, the PMI reports, um, uh, there's lots of commentary in these reports of purchasers uh, having trouble in their business. Uh, uh, lots of disruptions in pricing, uh, lots of uh, uh, delivery issues, and it's a bit of a scramble. And the more the tariffs uh, talk becomes, uh, uh, it builds, uh, the more issues these have. If you look now at the factory orders, we had factory orders today, um, pretty moderate, I think, overall, a 0.4% rise. Uh, and that probably pretty much reflects the, the core of the report itself, which is, you know, a, a mid single digit year on year. Uh, growth, which is a respectable rate of growth, and it's probably a welcome rate of growth, considering the signs of stress that we're seeing. We we probably would want a little bit of a, of a of a slower growth. But uh, if you look in there, you look in the details in there, uh, you'll see a big unfilled orders now for uh, primary metals. Uh, we had spikes in orders for aluminum and steel when those um, initial uh, tariffs were put in place in March. We're seeing a little bit of a, uh, a cooling in those order spikes, but these are being moved into inventories and especially into unfilled orders, uh, which is an interesting um, dislocation. And uh, the more of these tariffs that we get, the more of these kinds of dislocations uh, we'll have, whether or not they meaningfully or significantly slow down the factory sector still has yet to be seen you know, what those effects are. Um, so I think it's playing out. I, I just wanted to point out real fast here that one of the benefits or one of the big pluses in today's factory orders was a, a fourth straight very large build in unfilled orders. We were talking about that for primary metals. That's a, a small part of it. But um, th- this uh, build in unfilled orders <coughs> is really one of the best in years, and that is going to point to strength for uh, employment on Friday's uh, factory payrolls. Of Friday, the employment report will be out. And there are shortages here, real quickly. Uh, the shortages here are not only the truck drivers, but in the construction industry, their rate of growth is being slowed down by an absence of uh, or inability to find these construction workers. Yet, employment is growing, and there, and we're still finding, uh, you know, a growth in these readings. <clears throat> and the unfilled orders for manufacturing points really very strongly to a strong demand for uh, factory workers. Mark, let's ask you a quick one about, you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, obviously we've got the potential inflation implications of tariffs. we got oil prices, which are, what, say, 50% or so up from a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
why isn't that starting to feed through perhaps into the way the bond market's trading since you know, not so long ago we had this magic 3, 3% number being taken out in the 10-year? No one mm. seems to be talking about that anymore. No, I think it's a global uh, demand for safety. And uh, and uh, the U.S. 10-year Treasury, for instance, is a central um, uh, depository of, of that, a central measure of that with all this uncertainty uh, and, uh, um, you know, a volatility in the stock market. And then you have uh, uh, these economic issues and unknown uh, movement toward a trade war that no one has ever seen. If you see, you know, some report, well, what is a trade war? You know, and they're going to try to tell you what a trade war is. It's not part of our memory. It's not, we don't know what this is going to be like. And, and, and that kind of, uh, uncertainty will build up demand for, um, secure, uh, investments. What's interesting is that gold isn't moving here. And even as the long bond or the, the bond rate, you know, comes down a little bit, um, uh, you know, gold is is sensitive to uh, to to the treasury market. The higher uh, uh, interest rates are, the less demand there is for gold. But interest rates really aren't that high. Jeremy, do you have it or any 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 uh, hunches on, on why gold is isn't going anywhere right now? No, I got to be honest, I don't. I think you know, sometimes gold is seen as being a, you know, a good inflation hedge, but it shows, I suppose, at the end of the day, people still don't really believe that inflation's out of control or it's going to go that much higher. Mm-hmm. It seems, if anything, although clearly your side of the pond is doing pretty well, as far as Europe's concerned, there's still a genuine concern about growth, and that's just been exacerbated, as you were saying, by talk about a trade war. And um, you know, it's, I think it's to do with the fact that at the end of the day, people... Yeah, they would buy gold if they are more concerned about what was going to happen to you know, consumer prices in general, and that just doesn't appear to be there yet. Yeah, the inflation hasn't reached that point. Thank you, guys. Until next week.